Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam Wise. On the UCAR forums, I'm Wissam24 and joining me tonight are... Tom Jones, Tommy on the forum. And Nigel Watson, Rex and Mackham on the forum. Nigel joining us. You'll, you'll remember Nigel from the episode we did about Golden Oldies uh, a while back, which was, I think, actually one of my favourite episodes we've done, just hearing the stories and hearing the tales of the old days was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually got Nigel on today to talk about uh, basically model planes. Um, and that, by that by that, I don't mean the ideal plane, because as we all know, that's the J-22 Areo. I'm talking about plastic <laughs> models. <laughs> it's 2021 baby yes Um, and i'm a born again modeler um, because it's 2021 say that again i'm a born again modeler (laughs) well this is why we've got nigel on because actually he's been talking in the our group our whatsapp group a lot about his modeling um the, the model planes he's been doing of late and i um, someone who got into modelling a couple of years ago, um, and so th- and we thought we'd, we'd get onto that because a lot of people do model planes. It's quite a big part of the hobby. There's a you know hell of a lot of overlap in in what we do um, and and model <laughs> model aircraft model making. So we thought that'd be a good one to chat about today. But I think we're we're going to touch on a couple of other subjects as well. Um, I think first and foremost is worth saying how disappointed we are that Yeovilton's been cancelled now officially big shame yeah big miss and obviously naturally leads into speculation about what's happening with Riat um, and it's not just Yeovilton as well uh, Cosford is is uh, yes well well, Cosford have announced a postponement potentially to September um, which not to detract from Yeovilton but I always thought Cosford would probably be of all of the big um, sorry big um, finger comments. T- Tom's just done air quotes. <laughs> air quotes, that's the one. <laughs> Keep forgetting we're not recording video, thank God. Me and my tensions. <laughs> but um, uh, the the big um, events, I would have thought it'd be quite suitable for a uh, a drive-in event because um, a significant proportion of the crowd parks on the uniquely parks actually on the mm. you know, on, on the grass um, in front of the flying display area. Um, but I think just the the killer at the moment is that's completely the wrong word to use the the nub of the issue at the moment is <laughs> risk and uncertainty um and i said it on the forum today um that we have to be very pay careful attention to the language used in everything not just um Rea- uh, uh, sorry cosford and yeovilton but also things like glastonbury it's not that i don't think i've seen any organizer that said we are unable to put on a safe event. It's there's too much uncertainty at the moment, and there's too much mm. risk for us to to take that risk. Um, you know, insurance companies needed to get insurance sorted out now. Yeah, so the financial um, um, the financial burden that they would have to carry yeah. if they had to cancel without insurance would be that would literally finish them off, wouldn't it? I'm sure. It yeah, would. of course. Um, it's really disappointing. Your has gone. Mm. Cosford. Um, uh, grateful that they haven't just canned it, that they're looking to do something else. Uh, although, what, you know, it's apparent that what they are going to do, hopefully, is going to be very different to a, to a normal Cosford. Mm. Uh, nevertheless, there's something going to be there. And ironically, after we've called for it for how many years, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. looking like it may well be a two-day event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Long well, overdue. Well, big changes. The difficulty is as well is that they're moving it to the the weekend of the was the second weekend in September um which is going to be the same weekend as San and Cole and Milan if they go ahead so we're going to be waiting ages and ages and ages for a big air show and then you have to choose between three <laughs> potential massive ones to go to yeah it just depends I suppose what your flavor is really to say nothing of you know what the situation is as regards I don't know flights or how Europe manages to to get its vaccine sorted yeah. as well. Well, um, yeah, of course. Whether they'll have us um, as visitors <laughs> from the UK, which at the moment looks extremely dodgy. But I mean, if it does get to that point, we've got a choice of three events to go to. It's a nice yeah. problem to have. Uh, <laughs> Better than zero. It yeah. right now. Uh, and yeah. well, that then does beg the question of of React because we've heard basically nothing from React at all. Mm. Cosford have announced that they're they're ostensibly moving it to September. We've heard 
from other shows who are planning stuff for September, um, you know, obviously a couple of months down the line from when Riet will be in, but we've heard nothing about what is the biggest show in Europe. Do you think that it's the case of no news is good news, or do you think it's the case that React have got to get on top of their um, their their press, their messaging? Well, to me, it suggests that there's got to be a chance, or if it's a definite no go, surely would we said. would have known. Yeah. I don't um, think it. I don't think it. The, the silence means that it's not going to happen, or is a reason to be pessimistic. But it, it also just it doesn't instill any hope at all. Mm. Just, I think it's a bad message. Yeah, I mean, I presume that silence means they're working on it and it's not concluded. Um, but I think with everything else going on, I think even the most optimistic of us are starting to think, oh, well, mm. how can they? You know, But, you know, we don't know until, I suppose, that final decision is taken. And when it's taken, I presume that they'll let us know. Um, they must be working but the, on something. But the thing is, I don't, I don't need to know. I'm not expecting a final decision now. I don't really think I even need to know a decision now. I just want to know that they are planning stuff, mm. and that they, the, an idea of what they're looking at, what changes they, they're considering making. Because, at this point, as much as it is still an uncertainty, they'll know what they need to be, what what they need to be looking at. And what changes they are consi- will be considering at this point, mm. and those are the things I would like to know. Simply because it, it sets us up to know, first of all, what to expect, and it doesn't just get dumped on us at the last minute. Um, yeah, and, and if be- those changes, and it, it, and it, 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 I think it will also help temper expectations because all the time they haven't cancelled it, people will be there. Will be people looking to react as the big hope of the summer mm. and it might also be a good idea to temper expectations that mm, this show's not going to be a, a, a typical you know yeah air setting up what they're looking at but it, it's also it's not just tempering uh, managing sort of expectations but also um, the problem Riyadh has is that they're never in control fully of their own messaging and what I mean by that is that um for every day that they don't say, you know, look, here, here's where we're at. It does, it's by no means, you know, a, a done deal, but this is what we're looking at. For every day they don't do that, the, you know, Facebook, our own forums, um, mm-hmm. Twitter, everywhere is alive with speculation about what might or might not be happening. Um, some of it's um, quite interesting. Some of it's spectacularly misinformed and, and everything in between. <laughs> so for every day they don't say something the the messaging swings the other way and it's one of the really hard things that we have every single year is that um unfortunately sometimes the fans the, the real diehard react fans can be their own worst enemy and i say that being a diehard react fan but um you know they have to control messaging and they have to well, not control messaging but they have to get on top and control the narrative because people are going to speculate people are going to talk but if you say look this is what we're planning, then people will talk about that rather than, uh, well, um, you know, uh, we're going to socially distance every single person on the crowd line, which, or, or, you know, um, we're only going to have five planes, but we're going to space them out 100 metres apart or something. Like, it stops people talking about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. it, you know, silence begins to become a bit deafening. You know, we shouldn't be expecting React to say something. They can do what they like, but it seems to me that it would probably be more helpful to React's cause if they just said, look, here's where we're at. This is what we're thinking. Um, don't hold us to it. The situation is super changeable. Um, yeah. This is what we're doing to try and make sure that we have a safe air show to, you know, to go ahead. Um, I, actually, more than anything, I'm just interested to know what, what, how they would change the format, you know, what they're looking at. Yeah, I think it's an interest, just, just an interesting thought, really. Yeah, because in general, they know what they're doing. They're a, they're a really good bunch, uh, and they must have been working on the organisation of this for ages and ages. So it must be quite a long way down the line yeah. uh, of that COVID-safe event. So, what would it look like? I mean, it, as as Crowdline hangers ourselves, I think I think we're pretty uh, familiar with the uh, the Crowdline. Or that magnetic effect that the crowd line has when something interesting flies. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge for, for social distancing. 
But then again, you're outside in the middle of an airfield, so... I do, yeah. well, you know, I it's, mean, it's... Not, not wanting to speculate too much because I've just panned people who speculate, but um, it seems to me <laughs> that... Um, it seems to me that the, the way that all the gigs and other industries were, were counting on it was mass rapid testing. There's no, there's no other way you can do it. You can't socially distance it in air show, really. You can try and enforce it, and I'm sure people will have that natural sort of. That's more chance. It will feel a bit odd to be that close <laughs> to people after 18 months of you know staying two meters away, but you're never going to have anything that's effective. Um, and so the only other way you can do it is is with mass testing. Um, you know, it's interesting. I had a PM from G Civix on the forum this morning. And uh, he and, and he mentioned the the React 2019 review, which I wrote. And it's worth remembering that actually where we left React was on a bit of a down, uh, to some degree, a bit of a down note because React 2019 was not that well received by us or and and most of the certainly, I think, enthusiast mm. um, base that, that read the review agreed with it. So actually, it's uh, we're going to have to make sure that we aren't just give them a pass regardless of what happens um because we're glad it's back that actually we we, sh- we we will need to end we will need to look at what they do and and be critical of it if needs be well you know what my biggest worry is out of all of this and it, it and it's not really so much the missing of another airshow season because i've i've had enough airshow seasons to to put that in the context um my worry is that the longer that you don't do something, the harder it is to do it yeah. when you reconvene at the end. Yeah. And my Agreed. biggest worry of all, I think the biggest loss of losing 2021 is is can that whole machine, that whole industry be remustered for 2022? There mm. are loads of volunteers. Will they still have the appetite to to come out and stand in a field and you know mm. marshal the public around? Are all the support industries going to be there? I think losing one season was... You can get your head around putting it on an industry on pause. There was a lot of furlough. There was a mm. lot of standing down. But two years down the line, so in the third, it'll be the third year, won't it? It'll be next year, um, third year since we've had an airshow season. Yeah. I'm worried mm. about that. I agree. I and I, I think we. I mean, we, I mean, we've seen it before as well with with the RAF. You know, they did the the um, runway works at, at Warrington. That was the end of the RAF Warrington airshow. Those runway works have been mm-hmm. completed. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, yeah. arguably, there's a little bit more room there than than you know than perhaps there was, especially with the drawdown of the Sentry fleet and rumours of the wedge tails being at lossy mouth. But you know those runway works put an end to the RAF Audington Ash. Oh, I think I think it's been confirmed no... they're at lossy mouth now. Oh, okay, well, yeah, right, yeah. So the last I saw was like a tweet saying they might be. A, yeah, or fine. Um, but that's that's what I mean. You know, so arguably, there's actually probably even more scope for one now. But um, mm. but obviously that was the end of that, you know. And I worry a lot, especially about the military air shows, because they're not done for profit. There's there's not a duty to um, to raise money through those corporate activities. Where perhaps React maybe has a little bit there because they've got to raise money for the charity. But um, certainly things like the RAF Cosford air show and Yeovilton. I mean, it'd be so easy just to go. Ah, do you know what? Let's just let's it just would. leave it. It, it, you know, would. it would be a, a much easier option. Um, so it's good to see that Cosford is postponed, not cancelled. Um, Yeovilton, obviously, a little bit less, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's really hard to get back into it, and and people move on as well. You know, the people with the know-how. Two years is quite a long time in in a service um, without a rotation. Um, so yeah, yeah, concern. Yeah, indeed. Times. There is concern, but I think there will be a lot of movement to get it back on its feet. Yeah. Once it's safe to do so, definitely. I think well, there will inevitably be casualties, but I think something like Riyadh, famous last words, touch words, and everything. I'm trying to touch my beams, but um, there seems to be the, the the. I mean, it's so it brings in so much money, um, and it's almost replaced Farnborough. You know, and it's, I think uh, I it's think a, Riyadh is the is the world class event that the UK has, isn't it? If you if you look at mm-hmm. the the global aviation scene. Mm. Um, Riyadh and arguably Legends, I would say, are the two that were the world-class events that we still have, and they're the two that it's hard to imagine the airshow scene without mm. uh, carrying Definitely. on in its current form. And we've had a bit of a, a wobble with Yorval to, uh, with uh, Legends, sorry, when it's moved venue. Um, mm. It's encountered a bump in the road, and it seems to be overcoming it. Um, 
so that's great to see but um i i can't contemplate being uk show review without rias how strange <laughs> would that be please no, please personally as things stand and touching all of the wood that's possible i, I just think there are too many stakeholders in react too much diplomacy is done too much money is made um, yeah. Oh, 100%. And, 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 yeah. and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might yeah. not return in the way that we're used to, but I think that for it to completely vanish, leave quite a gulf that something else could step into if worse came to worst. But um, nah, that's, we'll that's, be back, guys. that's we'll doom-mongering. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, definitely React should, um, should at least come out and say, look, the, the, these are the problems we've got. We're thinking about how to address them. And, you know, forums social media they're a huge marketing tool for free you know 20 30 years ago companies would pay huge amounts for focus groups and now they just have it all on social media for free and you know it's just shot in the dark but if react say well look here's one of the big problems and someone might be able to go well actually you know um i'm i work in for gig yeah i i, I organize gigs or something and this is what we're doing it might mm. allow um another solution to present itself but who knows does anyone have any good segues for that into model planes? We always used to meet a bunch of UCAR people um, every every Sunday of Riat outside the model plane stand that I keep forgetting the the name of, and they sell model kits. I believe it was well, Wonderland models. Well, I there, Tom. You you used to. I never did. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, all right, I, I made a point of doing it. I represented staff <laughs> and I represented them badly. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, we did. Yeah. We did that last Riyadh, in fact. Uh, it seems like oh, yeah, a long no, time yeah, ago, yeah, but in 2019, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure it was it was Wonderland models. It was, yes, you're, with their right. very vivid yellow and red stand. It's dead easy to find. Yeah. Where our own, where our own Dan Ledwood now works. Indeed, <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, he works at Wonderland models. He'll be on. He'll be on the stand when it comes That'd be back. Fun. Be nice for him to actually go to a Riyadh for once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bless him. Um, I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're assuming he won't have found a flying job by then. But well, <laughs> I think any any, well, uh, any airline any to... airline researches researches him and finds out he contributes to this podcast and is like, no, <laughs> big records. <laughs> it, it, it seems that, that Dan's had one week off the pod and you're empty chairing him here. Yeah, well, yeah, well, every opportunity. <laughs> if, he's, I, if he's not here to defend I literally, himself, I, I will empty chair him in the middle of a conversation with him. <laughs> Uh, Dan so yeah, model planes. Sorry, <laughs> you might as well. Um, model planes. I mean, I, 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 to get the ball rolling, I've only been doing model planes for a couple of years. I actually used to do. I'm sure a lot of people probably know. I'm talking about Warhammer Games Workshop Warhammer um, for many, many years until relatively recently, actually. Um, but I never ever, despite having been into aviation my whole life, I never ever did model planes. Like I might have done one or two with my dad when I was tiny, but I never got into model planes ever. I think I, I just found them too difficult to work with compared, ironically, with the smaller Warhammer <laughs> models. Um, I don't really know why. I just never enjoyed making them. And then a couple of years ago, I got I I, I so right next to the RF Museum where I've said before I I grew up and until quite recently lived nearby is Hannant's model shop who I think are one of the great bastions of model shops yeah. in this country yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, so I, I sort of discovered that and I started popping in there every now and then and one day I just decided to buy a Sea Harrier Mark 1 and a Su-7 because I like obscure Soviet Cold War jets and as a result, I painted the Sea Harrier up as a Yak thirty eight, um, and I don't know. Since then, I just I started buying a few more models here and there, and got further and further into it. But you've started doing it in the last few months, Nigel. But you've done it. You did it a lot before, didn't you? Yeah. So I've, it's it's funny, but I've I've had um, various periods of doing quite a lot of modelling, and then going through barren years of not doing it so much um and then 
you know, the whole cycle goes on. And the only thing that stayed constant throughout that time is that I've carried on buying kits and then you have that phenomenon called the stash. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I mean, I, it all goes, when I was a kid, when you were doing Warhammer, airfix kits were a thing that, you know, were everywhere. And, and mm. I actually learned loads and loads about planes when I was little from the airfix catalogue. And, mm. you know, I saw, I used to, I used to buy three airfix models on a Saturday morning and I'd be considering it a failure if I hadn't completed them by Sunday lunchtime. Um, you know, stick the undercarriage on, set it back on its wheels before it set, and it would sag over to one side. And, <laughs> you know, I'd put the I'd put one coat of paint on while the other one was still wet, and have a like weird tie dye effect <laughs> all over the top of the Lancaster, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. And they were just they were just toys, but you know, still. Um, and then when I uh, when I left home, uh, when I grew up and left home and moved uh, with to start my first job away from home I had time on my hands lived on my own bought a couple of books and a couple of magazines and decided I would do it properly um, and that's when I started proper proper uh, modeling but yeah every time I've I've gone out of it and come back into it there's been advancements and more to learn and mm-hmm. the internet and YouTube and and even the modeling section on UCAR what I've learned from those guys uh, means that you know what I consider a well-built model now was uh, completely different to uh, to when I started. Yeah, have you it ever is... been a Tom? Have you have you I ever mean, been a modeler? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I was really into um, modeling way before I was into even photography, and um, my I think um, I didn't actually do that many airfix kits. Um, mostly did I, I I'd never known how to properly pronounce it. Is it Revel or Revel? Um, I would say Revel. Yeah, but, um, Revel. I, I don't know. See, I, I say Revel. Well, there we are, potato, potato. <laughs> well, there you are, fifty-fifty. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I did those all the time, and um, yeah, I was really, really into it, and, and that was, um, I think, beyond like magazines as a kid and stuff. That was how I really got into knowing about aviation because the detail yeah, that, that, that comes yeah, with that. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah is is awesome and then sort of um i went to uni and i i i'd always do a couple in fact every it sort of became a tradition every sort of new year when i was back from uni um before i went back i'd go to the RAF costa museum because it's local it's only 40 minutes down the road and so and then i'd always treat myself to a model um in their little shop because i thought you know do something to support them i guess and um i built that before i went back to uni um but you just sort of run out of space, and I sort of lost my mm. I, I lost my mojo on a lightning kit, I think, on an FX lightning, which was massive, and it, it didn't really go very well. And once I lost my mojo, I sort of got out of it, and I still get model kits from my family every Christmas because they remember that time that I did modelling, <laughs> and so I've got a stash, but I haven't bought any for five or six years. I just got loads mm. that I just get every Christmas and birthday. So yeah, I was really big into it, and then I sort of. Um, moved into photography and photo editing and I just sort of had less time on my hands well that's the thing is it's incredibly time in, in, te- in time intensive hobby mm. isn't it and Very it's expensive so. and it then takes up bloody loads of space I think that's I think a, a funny old hobby the, the to time have really. the, the time thing if I if I look at the periods when I've, I've been into it are the times when I've not been getting out and about so yeah. when I first yeah, moved exactly, down yeah. here then, then when you know when the children have been small uh, and and therefore I had lots of time on my hands and couldn't get out and about. And now, of course, we've had this this 2020 situation um, with uh, the winter set in and not an awful lot to do and a stash in the garage there thinking, well, mm. maybe I ought to reduce that stash, uh, which is, is hence how I got back into it. But, yeah, time just goes. And I'm, well, it, it, I mean, last year must have been the best year for the hobby industry ever. <laughs> I was just thinking that. It must have been such well, a boon. Well, I, I, I ordered, I can't remember what I ordered, a pair of clippers or something like that. I don't know, something very simple. It wasn't clippers. Um, and there was a little letter in it saying, um, apologies if your delivery has arrived late. Um, we, you know, the, the posted situation with COVID-19 and, and please don't. And, and it was talking about people complaining about the stepping name, which was just like, why people, how, how are people doing that? Do they not know what's going on in the world? But it said that, in the, it said that their orders had gone up over a thousand percent. 
Yeah. So I, I'm, you think I, a lot of these are very small operations with very large stocks. Well, I'm, I'm trying to uh, make, I suppose, the ultimate step up to start taking it seriously is an airbrush, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I've had some, some comedy interactions with rattle cans um, recently. But they, 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 it's been enough to convince me that an airbrush is what I need. But honestly, they're on back order. It's they, they, yeah. they, and, and emailing people and that. saying, well, when are you going to get stock? Uh, they're coming back with some of these stories about, you know, the demand, um, mm. which is still mm. very, very much there. So, I guess yeah. I was quite lucky because I got mine at the end of 2019, so it would have been just in time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I mean, about I mean, airbrushing, like, yeah, it, it, I, I got a, I got a compressor, and then I ended up eventually buying a, a more expensive airbrush. But it is one of those things where actually the equipment does make a big difference. But the the results are unbelievable. They they absolutely speak for themselves. Yeah. Um, if you if you're serious about it, and you actually I think more to the point, because it is an investment, an airbrush and a, the compressor and all that stuff. But if you want to, if you've got a bunch of models and you want them to actually look as good as they can be or as good as you can make them, and you aren't just looking at something just to slap some paint on in an afternoon, then the, absolutely, it, the difference it makes is is absolutely night and day between it, that and a brush. It's huge, isn't it? To get, I mean, what I, th- I suppose what you, we really aim for, and and I, I think it probably appeals. To the same part of the brain as photography because it's a bit it's a bit technical it's a bit artistic but mm. the end result you just want to stare at when you achieve that perfect miniature and there's there's only an airbrush i think can do that really I 100%. Go to, I've, I've done a few visits to telford which is um i, I don't know if you boys have ever World been famous. there but it's you know oh, the, the riyadh for modeling you don't you don't <laughs> yeah. know whether it whether it inspires you or or, or just you know <laughs> destroys your will, <laughs> but it, but you know it, it's brilliant, and I just I haven't really had the time and the inclination to just take that final step and you know uh, go for the airbrush and everything. But now, well, you know, there's a what, uh, what else am I going to be doing? So do you know what? Uh, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's funny you mention that noise because um, it, the 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 space and time issue is definitely a problem. But I sort of reached the point with my modelling where. I was being such a perfectionist that I thought, like, I, I've reached a, an upper limit and I have to get an airbrush. And I think um, the it's a natural progression for any modeler. I think any discerning modeler, you get to a certain level, and if you want to continue, you end up getting an airbrush. And um, I, I didn't. That's when I put the brakes on. And I think, had I not done that, um, I probably would have continued. You know, you have, like, it's like peaks and troughs isn't in Mojo, don't you? Sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't. Yeah, very much but, so. Um, but, I, yeah, the, the airbrush was, thinking back, probably one of the significant things. I did actually buy, like, a really cheap one from the local model shop um, at uni, but the I've never actually used it because I realised when I opened it and sort of think that the actual yeah. air the bit where the air comes out doesn't even it's not even aligned it doesn't like it's it's too low down so it just hits metal right. <laughs> so it's, oh. the paint draws up and then there's just nothing there it just splatters <laughs> so um complete waste of time complete waste of 20 quid but um it seems to be one of those things that you know buy cheap buy twice um but that's what oh, the brakes on well, it's not even, yeah so, yeah yeah i mean I'll, 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 I'll say what i'll do now is i'll send you i'll forward you the thing um i mentioned on the forum uh, at the begin, it was either the beginning of. It must have been beginning of of last year, right? Right in the beginning of January, that I was link, thinking of getting an airbrush or, or got one on order or something. And Hayford Dave um, sent me a, a, a PM with loads of info, like really, really thoughtfully written out, um, lots of really helpful tips and, and tricks uh, for airbrushing. So I'll send that on to you. Um, re- it was really, really helpful. Yeah, we ought to get that up on the forum, haven't we? Um, oh, that's yeah. good for Dave to post that. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I've I've done I, so so I've watched that many YouTube videos, and I'm just dying to get the thing in my hands. And you know, I got to a standard with a brush that where actually get some really really nice results. But mm. being the true airshow fan that I am, I'm a sucker for aerobatic team um, stuff. And kept buying myself aerobatic team models, and it was impossible to get that. You know that that gloss finish, that mm. sort mm-hmm. of polish. I mean, it definitely needs an airbrush. So when yeah. I decided I was going to have a go with rattle cans this time, I thought, well, you know, what better than a couple of red arrows? I'll do myself a little heritage pair because there's a lovely 148 scale um, Airfix nat now, um, and I had that. I bought that last year or the year before, and the little airy hook, and I did them, and I 
the other thing with modeling is that, you know, like Tom was saying with the detail, you find out things that as many times as we've stood next to a Red Arrow's hawk or a Red Arrow's gnat that you don't notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't notice until you start modeling it. I, I challenge anybody to notice exactly how the uh, the diesel pipes go into the back of the exhaust nozzle or, mm-hmm. you know, what color the interior is or, or things like that. And I, I, the penny dropped that the gnats and the hawks were different colors. They were different color reds. Mm-hmm. So that scuppered my plan. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, I'll just buy rattle can, basic, uh, you know, post office red. That's what the gnats were. Um, uh, but it turned out that, that Airfix, I think, had launched this special red arrow red. Uh, and you, you, you could get it everywhere. It was out of stock. And I ended up paying about a tenner for it off eBay. Um, <laughs> And, and and it just just had enough paint in it to do a one forty eight scale hawk. Uh, there's not there's not much in him. Anyway, w- however, I fumbled through it. I fumbled through it, and then the results are actually really quite nice. I was really really pleased with those two models. So I thought, right, I'm going to do another aerobatic team heritage pair that I can do with rattle cans. So I dug out a couple of Thunderbirds. Uh, I've got a. They're trumpeter kits, um, and uh, one is a T38 and one's an F100. And I, typical trumpeter kit, I've done a few before, various things. They go together really, really well, but don't necessarily reflect perfectly accurately the end result when they're assembled. I'm sorry, trumpeter, if that's not fair, but seems to be the case for the, for the ones I've built. So I built what looked like a really, really nice T38, and I had a rattle can of white, from the local model shop, I think it was Tamiya. Is it Tamiya or, or Tamiya? Which one do you Tamiya, say? Tamiya, I think. Tamiya well, yeah, I was, how I I was wrong. Say, I was yeah. wrong with Ravel, and I was wrong with Tamiya. There you go. <laughs> well, if you're well, not, no, maybe, no, so, maybe no, you're right. So, so, yeah. I, so I've got, and, and you know, you're not supposed to use these in the cold, but I'm not spraying that in the house. So, you know, yeah, several trips to the garage, really, really quick, get it on. <laughs> lovely, lovely finish, <laughs> lovely finish. And when it dried, it looked pretty good. I think I even shared pictures with you, lads, saying, "Look, yeah. isn't a yeah. T38 yeah. an elegant thing?" You know, it's got that lovely uh, nip in the middle of the fuse. Oh, it's, be- it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. So I thought, right, my favourite bit now, putting the decals on. It, I absolutely love it because it's when it goes from being just a kit to being the miniature of the yeah. real thing. Yeah. yeah. So I got the the first decal. I thought I'll start with the fins. It's dead easy. So <laughs> I got the decal for the fin. I went to slide it off the back end paper, put it on the fin, went to move it slightly, and it went. <laughs> into about 200 pieces such that I had to it was a difficult job to get it back off it had shattered that badly so I, I had to go to plan B which see this, is... but, but see this is where you have your uh, decal prep your decal covering put yep. your decal on, you've got your decal your solution mic, your you do this. there's, there's like five different products that, yeah, that I use that clear, you, you clear marvelous. Using. it's mad I use clear. So fortunately, um, there was a uh, alternative set of decals, and they were the 1976 bicentennial fin on the T38 Thund- Thunderbirds T38, which you can see. Very nice. You, you can't yeah. see. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> visual now. Um, so anyway, I got the alternatives on and settled them down with a lot of settling down, and got them in the right place. And I went back to it a couple of hours later when it dried on, and the white's not white. The white, the 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 Tamiya white is is grey. It's grey. I've done the whole thing. I have wasted my time completely oh, because no. because the white in the decals is a different white to the white on the on the base of the model, and the whole thing is uh, from that point on. Brilliant. It's it's on a one way trip to uh, to the Bin Air Force Base eventually. But I've I've, de- I've decided. I've, I've decided to finish it anyway, but I must be a completer finisher, you know. I've decided to finish it anyway before I consign it to wherever it's it's going to go, just to to get some practice with these absolutely dreadful. They don't match up. The decals don't match up. Hey, they are wrong. It's you been know, a catalogue of disasters. That it's funny. <laughs> See, so you you always make the kit on the front of the box. Uh, not. No, I've, I've bought aftermarket aftermarket tackles before, so and I've got a few in the stash, so not necessarily. I always have. Um, but yeah, but mostly, mostly Sam. Yeah, mostly completely it's, opposite it's, to you. Complete. I mean, this is what I was going to say is, is, and I it's it harkens back to, I, and I have no idea where it comes from, other than you guys know full well what a difficult <laughs> I am. 
but it goes it goes <laughs> all the way back to um, <laughs> when I did Warhammer. I'd never paint what was on the front of the box. I always did my own, or even really make them. Like I always made them custom models. Um, and so, because and and I think it goes down to that thing of wanting it to be completely unique to me. Um. So I I never paint what's on the front of the box. I never use decals because obviously if you're doing something else, they don't exist. Because I'm the things I'm doing are completely fictional for the most part. Yeah, that's the thing um, that fascinates me about what you do is that you actually, you know, you you paint and mark your own markings on, don't you? Uh, so you, so I, I I was used because and that comes from the Warhammer stuff. I was very used to freehand, but but I started using well. So to put it into context, I haven't done any modelling now for months because I moved to a new fl- I moved to a flat at the end of August last year, and there is no space here for modelling. I mean, there's bits I could I could probably find some space somewhere, but there is no there's not Gash enough space out. here to actually do some proper modelling. Um, so I haven't completed everything that I had in my backlog um, from last year. So there were a couple of things that I never got around to doing that I really want to at some point. Um, but I had very very big plans, so I. I as I said before, I'm a huge fan of sort of obscure coat so obscure Cold War Soviet jets. So I ended up getting three trumpeter fish pot models. So it was a Su nine, a Su nine U, and a Su eleven. And I had very big plans for them. And I had a, a, the old Su seven still left over from ages ago. So I did the Su seven in fictional Serbian, a uh, fictional Yugoslavian colours, and I did the Su nine in. A scheme based on uh, Zaire Air Force Mirage threes <laughs> that I saw in. Um, it was a book about weird special operations things that was in, and it had. It was all about the, there was an article in about the Zaire Mirage threes, and I thought that was very cool. What if I do it on a Su nine instead? Um, and of course, all of that, all the markings had to be done hand painted and stuff, and lots of research and there's very few pictures of these mirages so it was that was good fun and then the, the other two the su9u and the su11 i was going to do in um and still intend to basically <laughs> completely fictional markings of a the idea being that the spanish republic won the spanish civil war after the war and i had this whole law for it in my head joined after the war joined the warsaw pact so it was going to be spanish people's republic air force markings with in the same way that the bulgarian the romanian and all of that roundels with a star inside the colored roundel it was going to be that with the spanish uh the spanish republic air force markings i got a book of uh aircraft of the spanish civil war with color plates and diagrams and stuff i got a paint set of um so so the Su eleven was gonna be and I they were, they were great fun kits by the way and I got a few bits <laughs> aftermarket bits and bobs from as well they're great kits. The Su eleven was gonna be in silver sort of standard operational markings and the Su nine was gonna be a retro heritage scheme um to commemorate the victory of the Civil War which was gonna be uh uh the set that sort of you know green you know the um I sixteen that's knocking around. Mm. Um, in in Spanish Republic markings, it was going to be that with the purple and purple, yellow, yellow and, and red tail and red, and it was essentially going to be that livery, but on a Su nine. <laughs> you wow, uh, and I never got around to painting well, them. You've obviously got more time on your hands than even I have. <laughs> <laughs> Come up with so much backstory. Have you ever thought of doing the uh, your uh, football wars memorial flight as a as a skill you mark. better bloody believe i've thought that if and if it weren't for the fact that i don't generally like doing propeller aircraft oh and i did but i also did things like um i did a, a, an ill 28 in uh cuban colors and then i did oh, yeah. and then i did but but then i had a a, a su-47 the burka it's obviously only one ever made and i did that in I can't remember which squadron it was, but it was RAF. RAF yeah, I remember you. Like Jaguar colours. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you do something in like with a? I remember it some Swedish. Forty-one squadron, maybe. I some and then I did a. Rounders. I had a Spitfire, which I did in in genuine Swedish Spitfire oh, colours, yeah, but yeah. obviously they were they were PR Spitfires, and it was a Mark Nine or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I. Heresy. I mean, God, God, God forbid, there's anything about it even remotely accurate, you know. <laughs> but I don't know why I love doing that. I love doing that sort of thing. Um, 
I just I love doing something that no one else in the world has done or would ever want to do because it's really stupid. What about a bouchon in Spanish markings? That's a bit obscure, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> but that that's real though. But it would be nice to see a bouchon in non-German markings. <laughs> so. so you keep <laughs> them up, you keep shooting them in. But that's a really good thought, actually. I hadn't actually thought of doing the well, football memorial the, flight it, stuff. It's the yeah, par- I think you should. It's the paradox, isn't it? If you uh, if you paint it as that, and then it becomes real, then what you've painted is no longer unique. Well, I could always balance it out by doing a spit fire with flames down the side or something. <laughs> Lightning bolts. <laughs> or a Lancaster in, I don't know, Sudanese colours or something ridiculous. So, um, bit, I've, I've got a Lancaster to do, but it's just so massive, I, I just don't have the desk space. And I think that's the mm. worst thing for my mojo. So, well, but, this is another challenge that uh, the last thing I think about when I'm deciding whether or not to build a model is where I'm going to put it when it's finished. That's the first thing if I think about. Oh, well, well, I have next to nowhere to put mine in, uh, even even at, even at my mum's house where I was before. Mm. Um, I have nowhere to put them. They're all they're all in an empty, um, like large cupboard. It's not a drawer. What's the bits where the door opens like that? Wardrobe. No. Yeah, but the the actual single. Anyway, a compartment. There you go. Compartment <laughs> in a wardrobe. Storage and they're all in there, closet. so you can't even see them. And because I because they're all one forty eight, they're all large. They take up a lot of space. I've decided to rotate mine onto onto display because uh, there's a limit to what I can nice. get away with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I also had. I, I also found a, there was a there was a Ukrainian aircraft a, a Ukrainian model company. What are they called? And and they they clearly founded this company with me in mind because it, it does almost <laughs> exclusively really obscure Soviet like prototype early jets and stuff wow. like that. So they and there there were ones on there that I'd never heard of before. So I bought up a whole load of those and then I had like brass etching stuff for them and all sorts of bits and bobs extra to put on them and still in their boxes unmade. I was going to ask, so do you guys use that many, notwithstanding um, uh, the markings and stuff, do you guys use that many aftermarket detailing features? They seem to come mostly for like um, cockpit interiors or I don't know, exhausts or something um, or engines do you guys use many aftermarket things I've, I've used some um, there are some kits out there where it's known that you've got to because mm-hmm. you know they've got bits that are substandard the only way to get a 148 Hunter before they, the FX brought theirs out was to, to go in big on the aftermarket stuff but I, I, temp, I temper it um, I don't get loads and loads and loads because if you do you know, it's a hundred quid a model, and yeah, you know, uh, it starts to get very well, serious. Yeah, yeah, it, well, it starts it, to get it, really serious. That, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I, I have a my personality is if I pick up a hobby, I tend to go all in and you know, be spend a lot of money on it. Generally speaking, um, sh- shit flex, um, <laughs> and <laughs> um. But I, but I mean, I, I can't say I've been doing it for long enough to really know whether I use a lot. I wouldn't. No, is the is the answer. No, mm-hmm. I don't really use a lot of aftermarket. I've done bits with brass etchings and maybe like improved gear, where I've read that you need to have better gear and stuff like that. Yeah. And and um, actually, I will tell you what I did do to add to the stupid fictional nature of it on the on the fitters. So sorry, no, the fish pots. They've all got modern Russian missiles on them because mm. um, the idea in my head is that they were the Spanish people's Republic had these fish pots going on until like the late eighties, early nineties, um, because they couldn't afford anything better, but they could also, for some reason, afford R 77s, which are, um, I think quite advanced Russian missiles or something. And, but also cause it looks different and it's, they're not the ones in the kit. So that makes it even better for me. So they were all little, little silly little things I bought. Um, but but Nigel's absolutely right. There are loads of kits where it is well known that they do the kits just straight up don't fit. Like the mouldings have never been good, so mm. you have to get lots of aftermarket parts or it won't. But that's part of it, isn't it? That's part of doing the best model you can. I did I did actually have in mind one thing that I was looking up and pricing for a long time, 
was doing something like a, a MiG-27 or a Yak-38 with loads of like proper, I can't remember which kits they were, the, the base kits, but with loads of aftermarket parts and like all the, the really detailed etchings and panels and stuff like that and, and weapons as well, like all the different weapons that you don't get in the kit and stuff and putting them on just and I've priced up and it would have come something like 120 quid all in for one of the models and I was looking at that as a am I gonna am I gonna do that as just a great big fucking one-off yeah. you know splurge on something it's a lot of skill thinking, as well but am I gonna be able to am I gonna be able to paint it remotely well, well, well enough is, to... so this is it to, to actually get the most from a lot of those aftermarket parts you've got to have a lot of skill they they don't you know it's not just the soft yeah. plastic or the basic thing and it's dealing with all that metal and all that resin and uh, well I, I have no issue I mean I, I thing, my so. my years of doing Warhammer have given me finer motor control skills than any surgeon so <laughs> I have no issue with that I mean that's the other thing as well if you spend that amount of money on a kit you know what if you, you know, yeah fuck it up we yeah. just snap something yeah exactly what if you yeah uh, that that would be the um, the thing for me um, and then also I wouldn't like if I spent that much money on a kit I wouldn't want to just stick it somewhere out of sight um, but I also wouldn't want to leave it out yeah. because guarantee um, a cat would jump on it and knock it off or I don't know yeah. um, a bird mm. somehow shit a poo on it or something I don't know point is, is that I, you know, I'd be a bit like I'd treat the whole thing like it was made of glass um, but when I was don't you kid, think the thrill's in the build though rather than the finished article Six of one, actually. I, most kits, yes, but um, I built a Merlin, and I, I, I just really like Merlins as a helicopter. And um, actually, I just really enjoyed just looking at the final article. There was so much detail mm. in there, and there were so many transparencies that you could look at the internal detail. And I left the ramp down and the door open and everything. I just sort of just kind of enjoyed looking at it. Um, don't know why. All the other ones, yes, hundred percent agree. But with that Merlin, I just really enjoyed how it looked finished. I'm always probably about 75-80% satisfied with the model once 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 it's built. Mm. And then many times I feel like I'm just sort of, sort of sort of putting the final gloss on it by doing the actual whole paint job anyway, even though it takes a lot longer. Mm. But that was the same again with the Warhammer stuff. Was I found the building um, and, and putting the models together way more fun and way more satisfying than the actual paint the end painting even though if i say to myself i'm quite good at the painting i just much preferred the modeling side of things that's interesting um, i prefer the paint the the painting i feel like is when it is when it sort of starts to mm. you know like that's when it becomes something um rather than just a, a sort of a gray plastic model the greatest mm. thrill though is walking through the model shop or browsing online and going hundred oh, yeah. percent, and then and then picking something and then never building it for six years. That's the. I wonder if that's the, I wonder if that's the fascination in the stash, in that that people are, are actually recreating that feeling at home by giving themselves <laughs> a <laughs> warehouse, <laughs> their own personal yeah. collection of unbuilt kits, so they can they can yeah, run their eyes it's like, it's like run your eyes up and down the museum the, the piles shop, of them. Yeah, yeah be, maybe maybe. <laughs> Because I mean, the, the whole thing, the stash thing, is so it's weird because self-perpetuating. So, if you want something, you've you've got to get it when it comes out, even though you yeah. know you're not going to build it, because you know that's what everybody else does, and yeah, it's in the manufacturer's interests, I guess. So yeah, what, what if you're so? Uh, Nice, you talked about that the T thirty eight, which is a beautiful thing, but the um, the the decals exploded or decals <laughs> or decals. I don't know. I, I I've seen loads of YouTube accounts that just pronounce it differently um what would you guys say is your favorite kit that you've done i'm not saying that you've ever done but you know if you think of modeling what's the one kit you always think back to the favorite one that i've ever done and and i um the feeling of achievement when i did it as a kid were, were the were the big scale airfix ones mm. the super kits as they used to be called i think they they're just about still around aren't they the big 124 spitfire me 109 and those ones i uh, haven't tried one since those back in those days and i remember an awful lot of silver paint going on to a p51 <laughs> um but if i had somewhere to put it um one of those big scale kits is what i would do again i think so much, so much detail in them as well well yeah there's, there's just 
months and months of very the the large scale mosquito um, that was around um, probably still available, isn't it? Um, I'd love to have a go at that. I just can't think of anywhere or anything to do with that when it's finished, and it is just too much investment in, in time and money to to just let mm. it lying around and knock bits off at, at the end. But yeah, that's the answer for me. The really, really big scale stuff. Um, if I had the space, um, I'd love to have a go at some of those again, especially with an airbrush. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I like, I prefer a, like a 148 scale model. I just love once it's put together and it's sat there and you look at it and you think, that looks like a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Mine are all cool. Like as, as, as silly don't do as that sounds, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, individually, I think probably the Su Nine. I think is my favourite thing. I'm really looking forward to getting around to painting it one day, in the particularly in the, the the Spanish Republic heritage livery, but just in general, like it's a really. I, I really enjoyed making it. I really love what it is. You know that are really obscure. Most people haven't even heard of the fish pots, let alone you know make them. Um, I really like what it is. Yeah, it's it's cool. Fishbot, by the way, is is one of the stupider NATO names for a fighter. It's awful, absolutely. But then fishbed's stupid. But it's only well, a lot of them stupid, stupid because it became iconic. Is, well, yeah, but fishpot is like what is a fishpot? I don't think well, a fishpot is a fishpot. Presumably, is a pot that you would either catch well, or have fish in. Whereas a fishbed, what's that? What's a fishbed? How do they come they, up with that word? Well, it's where they sleep, Sam, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's what happens when the mafia oh, kills you. God. <laughs> Don't don't laugh, Nigel. <laughs> Even if that was still the laugh from before, don't don't coincide it with Tom's joke. Maybe we've hit we've hit fish bedrock. <laughs> well, that's been another episode of the UK Airshow Review <laughs> podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Um, it, I mean, we we yeah, as you can see, I mean, it's, it's been a very good time for modelling. It's been really really. Uh, productive for a lot of people i'm sure it's been actually i'm sure it's been a hell of a lot of people who've got into it in the last year that wouldn't have done before um, it's probably been a hell, not, a, lot of, hell of a lot of so. stashes cleared like people have actually <laughs> finally got around to doing some stuff in their stash tom that's a myth you never clear the stash yeah true true Stick okay but you, you 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 never let yourself run out of models <laughs> <laughs> there always has to be another purchase the case <laughs> um yeah i mean it was why not show us your models if you've mm. if you've got them if you've been making them over the last year? So we we've, we actually have a whole modelling section on the UCAR forums, but you could you could reply to our social media posts if you see them as well with your your um, pictures of what you've been painting up in over lockdown. So on on social media we're on all we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UK Airshow Review. Uh, the forums are at forums.airshows.co.uk, and that's obviously along with the main site airshows.co.uk where we've got all of our our reviews and features over the years send us some pictures let us know what you think uh and if you've enjoyed this and it's it's got you through another day of lockdown feel free to share it with people you know who might be interested as well uh i think that's us for this week goodbye